Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to the ProReit 2021 First Quarter Results Conference Call. At this time, all lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. Mr. James Beckerlake, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Mr. Gordon Lawler, Executive President, Executive Vice President, Chief Financial Officer, and Secretary, will make a short presentation, which will be followed by a question and answer period open exclusively to financial analysts. In order to ask a question, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. For your convenience, the press release along with the first quarter financial statements and management's discussion and analysis are available at ProReit.com in the Investor section and on CDAR. Before we start, I have been asked by ProReit to read the following message regarding forward-looking statements and non-IFRS measures. ProReit's remarks today may contain forward-looking statements about its current and future plans expectations, intentions, results, levels of activity, performance, goals or achievements, or other future events or developments. Forward-looking statements are based on information currently available to management and on estimates and assumptions made based on factors that management believes are appropriate and reasonable in the circumstances. However, there can be no assurance that such estimates and assumptions will prove to be correct. Many factors could cause actual results, levels of activity, performance, achievements, future events or developments to differ materially from those expressed or implied by forward-looking statements. As a result, ProReit cannot guarantee that any forward-looking statement will materialize, and you are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. For additional information on the assumptions and risks, please consult the cautionary statement regarding forward-looking statements contained in ProReit's MDNA dated May 11, 2021, available at www.cedar.com. Forward-looking statements represent management's expectations as of May 11, 2021, and except as may be required by law, ProReit has no intention and undertakes no obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statement, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. The discussion today will include non-IFRS financial measures. These non-IFRS measures should be considered in addition to and not as a substitute for or in isolation from the REIT's IFRS results. For a description of these non-IFRS financial measures, please see the 2021 First Quarter Earnings Release and MD&A. A reconciliation of non-IFRS to IFRS results, as applicable, may be found in the Earnings Release and MD&A for the first quarter of 2021. Please refer to the non-IFRS and Operational Key Performance Indicators section in the MD&A for the first quarter for additional information. I will now turn the call over to Mr. James Beckerlake. Please go ahead. Thank you, Joanna. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. It's actually really hard for me to believe, but this is the fifth time we have done one of these quarterly calls during the pandemic. It's been over a year that it's passed. I can say that while a pandemic-related challenges remain, I'm pleased that we have started the year on very solid footing. I think that the fact that we maintained a disciplined approach throughout 2020 
has positioned us well for the current year. In fact, it is, I believe, this discipline which has allowed us to actively resume our growth as the economy has slowly started to reopen. Having been able to return to an expansion strategy this quarter, we made meaningful strides to further broaden and strengthen our portfolio, significantly expanding our footprint in the industrial sector through several transactions. We announced the accretive purchase of 18 high-quality industrial properties for just over $134 million. In subsequent to quarter end, we closed in three of those properties, which are located in Ottawa, for an aggregate purchase price of just under $50 million. The remaining 15 properties, which are located in Winnipeg and across Atlantic Canada, are expected to close in the second quarter of 2021, the quarter we're in right now. During the 12-month period ended March 31, 2021, we also successfully divested three non-strategic assets at or above their IFRS carrying value. And in April of this year, the second quarter, we also sold a further non-strategic asset, asset located in Fredericton, New Brunswick, for just shy of $5 million, again, a little above its IFRS carrying value on our, on our year-end financial statements. Our $50 million private placement with the Bragg Group of Companies was also completed just subsequent to quarter end, although negotiated during the first quarter. We are pleased to have them on board as major investors, as we have said in previous press releases, and expect that we can capitalize together on additional opportunities as we go forward. Solidifying our financial position was also key in the first quarter of 2021, as it was during last year. We increased our operating liquidity to over $30 million by quarter end, and we reduced our debt while improving our payout ratio. We also renewed a portfolio of mortgages at lower rates and extended their terms to maturity, taking advantage of the low interest rate environment. With strong operating metrics continuing in Q1, I am truly proud of our performance in the context of the pandemic. We have consistently maintained strong rent collections I believe one of the best amongst our peer group. And in fact, our overall collection rate has consistently stood at close to 100% since last November. I think the success reflects the stability of our operations and we believe the resilience of our tenant base has also contributed. At March 31, 2021, agreed rent deferrals amounted to just $300,000 to be repaid by our tenants over various terms, nearly all within the current year but you will note that there was no bad, bad debt expense recorded during the first quarter at all. Turning to leases, I'm pleased to say that over 80% of our total square feet maturing in 2021 have already been successfully renewed at positive spreads averaging 5%, and these increases will start to be reflected in our future numbers in the quarters going forward. With respect to occupancy, remain firm at 98.2%, at the end of the first quarter, unchanged from the previous. We ended the first quarter with 90 properties in our portfolio compared to 93 at the same time last year. This change reflects the sale of the three uh, non-strategic properties which I just mentioned. And, um, and while we have not yet been able to include in the numbers the uh, acquisitions which we announced um, during and just subsequent to quarter end. Our total balance sheet or our total assets stood at $636.3 million at the end of the quarter. I'll now turn it over to Gordy, our 
call over to Gordy to discuss uh, our first quarter financial results in more detail. Thank you, Jim, and good morning, everyone. We had good momentum in Q1, and we delivered solid results in what remains a challenging context. Highlighting the stability of our portfolio, same property net operating income reached $9.8 million, comparable to the pre-COVID first quarter of 2020. Excluding COVID-related expenses of $135,000, same property net operating income increased 0.7% in Q1 2021, compared to the same prior period. The sale of three non-strategic properties during the last 12-month period led to a slight decrease of 1.8% in property revenue which stood at $17.4 million in Q1 2021, compared to the same period last year. Net operating income was $10.1 million in Q1 2021, $100,000 higher than the fourth quarter of 2020, uh, but $300,000 lower compared to Q1 2020, again as a result of the sale of properties. As for our AFFO, it totaled $5.4 million, which is comparable with the fourth quarter of 2020. AFFO dipped by $600,000 uh, compared to Q1 2020, however, largely due to the property sales. Our AFFO payout ratio stood at 83% compared to 105% at the same date last year, providing greater flexibility with respect to capital allocation decisions. Turning to the balance sheet, it always remains top of mind and continued to strengthen our financial position in the first quarter of 2021. We had an excess of $30 million of operating liquidity through cash on hand and undrawn operating facilities at the end of the quarter. Our debt to gross book value was 57.49%, down from 58.06 at March 31, 2020, reflecting the debt reduction from the three asset sales. Our weighted average interest on mortgage debt was 3.66% at the end of the first quarter, compared to 3.72% in the same date last year. I'm also very pleased with the results of our renewed refinancings. In Q1 2021, we received $46.6 million in new mortgage financing, with an extended 10-year term repayment term and a rate of 3.21%. Subsequent to quarter and in May, we received a seven-year, $24.8 million mortgage commitment to refinance six retail properties with $21.7 million of mortgages that were maturing in 2022. Turning to distributions, 3.75 cents per unit were declared monthly through the, throughout the first quarter of 2021. Our weighted average cap rate for the portfolio is approximately 6.5% or $137 per square foot. I'll now turn it back to Jim for closing remarks. Thanks, thanks Gordy, for that detail. And uh, um, just to finish up, I can say that we're um, pleased to be off to a very good start this year, and uh, we're moving forward. All of management is with some renewed optimism. I actually believe ProRead is well poised to benefit from our solid position with a strong restart of the economy and as, as, and as vaccination rates increase across the country and in our individual communities. We look forward to continuing to achieve strong operating results and pursuing uh, growth. 
We are motivated in this by our solid pipeline of deals, primarily in the industrial sector. We will seek these objectives while maintaining a solid financial position to allow for proper capital allocation over the long term, which is, of course, to the benefit of um, all, all unit holders. And just in closing, I want to recognize again the commitment and contributions of all of our employees in these difficult times. It really is a, pr a privilege for me to lead such a talented and dedicated team, um, especially, as I said, during the pandemic. And a special thank you must go to our fellow, my fellow board members for their expertise as we continue to pursue the highest standards of excellence and for helping guide us through these diff this difficult period. So that wraps up our formal remarks, and uh, I'll turn the call back over to the operator to take questions from any of the uh, financial analysts who are present today. Thanks very much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. And if you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. First question comes from Brandon Abrams at Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, maybe just on the on the leasing front, uh, you highlighted how uh, spreads were positive um, for 2021 renewals so far. Just curious um, if you could break that down and what that might look like for uh, the office segment. Um, were they positive? And maybe just a follow-up. Um, you know, occupancy is still a little bit below kind of pre-pandemic levels for for the office segment. I'm just wondering kind of what you're seeing out there in terms of the leasing environment for uh, your office asset. Um, I think it's in yeah, go ahead, Jim. I'm not sure we have the exact uh, increases with respect um, the, the office sector, and we can get that back. Get back to you on that. But we, um, um, there's no doubt that the, the office rent renewal rates uh, are much less than in the other sectors. And uh, um, most of this five percent we have talked about is being carried by the renewal rates of our industrial properties, um, most especially some in southwestern Ontario. Um, having said that. Our office portfolio, as you know, is, is suburban and uh, mostly in Ottawa. And we actually, uh, on spaces that are maturing, or that are vacant right now uh, and are coming vacant, or could be coming vacant or up for renewal uh, before the end of the year, are, are seeing, seeing good activity. Um, so we, we haven't, um, um, well, well, I don't think we see any significant changes in rental rates. We, we haven't. Found a lot of pressure on, our, on this year, and um, um, we, we are seeing activity in different spaces. I mean, I can I give a little more color. I mean, there wasn't a lot of office in that six hundred thousand, but I mean, we renewed forty one thousand square feet 
um, in Ottawa, uh, a government tenant. Uh, we renewed that early, and uh, that's at least to, to 2027 now. And there was a there was actually a 5% increase on that. Um, just flipping through the list, um, there was there's no no reductions, uh, obviously, and then a lot of small tenants in um, some of our, um, our building and carling and whatnot. Most of those were we targeted two to three percent uh, lifts for them. So um, to this point, like I said, that the driver has been industrial from a square footage standpoint, um, but we have. Um, We've done some office, and we've got a little bit more office to do towards the end of the year. So we're still still working on that, and you know that's yet to be determined. Okay. I don't yeah. want to leave. I don't want to leave you a fully bullish comment. Like on, on office, we we do have one very small amount. It's not going to have a significant impact of downtown office that's renewing up for renewal this year, which will probably move forward, but it may be at a reduced rate. But but uh, reflecting what's happening in downtown Ottawa, but. Uh, it's not. It's not a. It's not a significant number. Right. Um, okay. That's yeah. That's helpful. And maybe just uh, turning to the acquisitions and financing. Um, two questions there. Just on on the private placement. If you could just remind me, are there any restrictions? Um, you know, related to you know whether they could sell. You know, selling the the units at a at a later date. And um, just on the Atlantic Canada properties. If you're able to provide any additional color in terms of, you know, the locations, like would they be um, kind of the, in the more major markets out there? Um, just wondering if there's any additional color there. Um, I'll, with respect to the um, um, investment from the Bragg Group, there's there's no restrictions, uh, <clears throat> or yeah, there's no restrictions at all by either party. It's just like a Third-party investment um, in, into the company, so they have they have no, no rights. That sometimes people inquire about with respect to private placements or, or obligations, um, one way or the other. They they have certainly indicated to us that they look forward to um, participating in, in future capital raises as, as or partnership opportunities, and they're open to that. But um, so they're in as long-term investors. Um, that's their their intent. But there is no obligation on either side. Um, Gordy, do you want to speak with to respect? That? Yeah, with respect to the Atlantic portfolio, it's, it's not public yet. Obviously, um, we're we're working on that. Um, one thing that we've seen in in COVID times here, as far as third-party reports, structural, environmental, they they take a long time, and um, um, just because of the protocols and whatnot, and then uh, certain tenants not wanting you in their building at certain times as well so we've been dealing with that but in general um from a sweeping standpoint i'd say that it's single tenant uh, single tenant um high ceiling industrial buildings in halifax moncton st john uh, new brunswick and st john's newfoundland so i think we've hit them all for atlanta canada okay that's uh that's great i'll turn it over thank you thanks Thank you. Next question comes from Lee Chen at IA Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, guys. Um, just a really quick question for me, uh, maybe just a follow-up question on the, um, the private placement with the Brack Group. Um, so would you say that your views on the on your acquisition pipeline have changed? So more specifically, would you see an acceleration on that front? 
or should we expect a similar pace uh, as we've seen in the recent past? Well, um, I, I think hopefully you'll see a pace that was more akin to 2019 and, and previously. So, I mean, we were out of the market uh, last year, and um, we started off this year um, re returning to um, balance sheet expansion, as we've all talked about, and that was uh, um, has been initially supported by this private placement from the Red Group. But I, I, yeah, I, I see ourselves returning to growth, and uh, which could mean at the right time revisits to capital markets um, if we have the right acquisitions for it. And I just indicated the Red Group as would, would have a current non-binding intent to participate in those, those things. Mm -hmm. No, that's great. Um, yeah, I'll turn it back. That's it for me. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star followed by one. Next question from Yash Sankpal at Laurentian Bank. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. Hi, uh, just wanted to uh, get some more color on your leasing activity. Just uh, want to understand <clears throat> what the tone of discussion was and uh, what kind of tenants are uh, you know willing to. Um, you know, renew the lease early, so maybe uh, it could use some more color there. We haven't uh, had. Go ahead, Gordy. Uh, yeah, I mean, so from uh, I think I, we just mentioned like as 80% renewed. Um, a lot of that was industrial space. Um, you know, all over. Um, uh, industrial in southwest Ontario, where we got significant rent bumps, you know, $4 rent going to $6 rent. Um, Atlanta, Canada, we've been doing well there with our small bay industrial to 2.5% steps there. We don't have a lot of retail renewing in this, um, uh, but but we have renewed retail and, and, and no steps backwards either. Um, uh, and then, from an office standpoint, I mentioned it, and you know we have still another say thirty thousand square feet of office coming due at the end of the year, so we're in discussions on on those now. One of the buildings uh which is about thirty thousand uh feet it started with with a low rent when we bought it, so uh you know there's opportunity there i think to um to get an, a new tenant in with you know um, with reasonable uh, market rent terms as well, so we haven't had any significant issues, you know, from the 2021, and we're we're in working on the 2022 now, starting that. So you know, had that discussion with the board. So it, business is happening, and and people are doing things. So I think people are looking beyond this. Um, pandemic and even in the lockdowns that we're in right now they're looking beyond that and planning and and so we're not seeing a lot of you know negative noise in the leasing front I mean, just and anecdotally, anecdotally I, I might just add that i think that there may be a return um in the suburban office market before you know like urban downtown markets where there's additional concerns among some employees and stuff and how the return to work protocols will work. So where you've got suburban office with lots of parking and that type of thing around it, um, we may see some things easier. We, we have a Hydro-Quebec tenanted building 
in eastern Montreal, like not urban, and, and they've contacted us just in the last couple of days for, a, a, like inbound from them for a 2022 lease extension and renewal because they said in the call they believe that there'll be, you know, um, some of their employees won't be too keen in returning to the downtown towers with mass transit and everything else associated with it. So they're they're looking to stabilize their suburban locations. I and mean, that's just an anecdotal story that's happening. So they, they want to uh, expand in suburban locations? Well, Is in our case, we're looking to extend uh, their, their lease and, and lock in a renewal early so that they knew they had the space. Um, because, just because they're... I'm just giving the anecdotal story, Yash, because right. they're concerned that they're going to have some pressure from employees to work in locations such as that rather than, you know, in a 40-story building downtown. Got it. Okay. Um, any um, – any, um, how do I put it? Any uncertainties about, um, you know um, – use of space or um, reconfiguration of um, space are you hearing especially from office tenants or uh, retail tenants as to how they want to um, use the space going forward i think the answer to that is no we're, we're not well we're in close contact with our tenants we, we, we haven't had any renewals that, re, of, that i think are, you're asking about where there would be a TI allowance for changing layouts and stuff of offices. We haven't, we, so we, we haven't seen that in any of the renewals. But again, as Gordy said, we we haven't got a lot of office renew, renewals going on. Um, got it. We did uh, have. And go, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, we did have some empty space which we are retenanting in one of the office buildings in Ottawa, where a U.S. company was looking for, you know, cut in half what, what they were looking for in square footage because they're changing their work protocols. But, I mean, that that's, I'm just giving you some flavor of the different things that are going on in the market. So there is some of that, but none of it has affected us. Okay. And, God, uh, in terms of uh, current liquidity, after uh, you have closed the, the um, last industrial acquisitions, um, how much liquidity would you have uh, pro forma that acquisition? Like uh, all of the announced ones, the 134 yes. million, or yeah. So I mean, we'll be um, probably uh, in the 25 million dollar range uh, when when all of those are done. Um, after March, we repaid an, an expensive term facility there. I think you see it in the subsequent events for six and a half million. So that was planned. Um, and then, you know, when we look forward on these closings and whatnot, I, I think we'll be in about, you know, 25 million uh, range. And, th and that's kind of what our, our target was when we started all of this. And you see the plan with the refinancings and shoring up some lower rate debt and cleaning our lines. I mean, uh, some of these refinancings we put replaced, you know, we've got new 3.2% debt and to reduce our line at 3.7. So that in and of itself, besides liquidity, uh, we're playing with uh, w with the uh, spreads a little bit there as well. So I think on the back end of this, we'll be, you know, in the, to the range of 25 million, kind of like standard liquidity, and, and then we'll, we'll go from there as far as 
how much more debt reduction and our debt reduction targets and, and you know, increased uh, operating facility. Okay, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. The next question comes from Colin Healy at Haywood Securities. Please go ahead. Hey guys, morning. Um, I just wondered if you could give any color on the on the timeline for the, I guess, the yet to be closed acquisitions and the Atlantic Canada conditional ones. Do you, do you have uh, just like rough timelines for for when we could see those uh, get done? Gordy, do you want to speak to the due diligence timeline? Yeah. So we've got about uh, there's two, two two properties that are, are smaller ones, not not in portfolios, and they're they're going to close uh, before the end of May. So that's about 10 million, and then uh, the rest of it would be our, our expectation. Again, and it's driven by uh, third party reports, um, would be the close to the end of June. Um, and if not, you know, early July, but our, our target is to get them all done in Q2. Okay, including <clears throat> including the six in the in that are conditional? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was just gonna follow up with uh just a general question on the market and what you're seeing in terms of uh cap rates and maybe differentials between uh cap rates for, for retail and for industrial and maybe just Geographically, if you're seeing any uh, new opportunities that that you think are attractive in the industrial space, well, we're, we're continuing to see uh, opportunities in the industrial space, uh, but we also see continued um, uh, compression in cap rates, and that compression in cap rates is certainly moving from from the Vancouver, uh, Toronto, Montreal markets, if you know what I mean, into um, the smaller cities as well. So we're seeing significant cap rate compression uh, in, in some of the markets that we're involved in. Um, as long as we see interest rates uh, where they are right now, um, we still see some um, accretive opportunities. And uh, and there there is pressure on on uh, leasing rates in those markets at the same time. So it's it's it, Still, they continue. We believe to provide good opportunities for us. Um, Gordy, do you want to like, add anything to that? I don't... Yeah, and uh, no, I think think that's it. I mean, we haven't really focused on on office at, at this point. Uh, regionally, um, you know, you always you get a little bit uh, um, higher cap rate in the in the Atlantic region. Um, but uh, again, retail we haven't seen back off anything uh, from from good solid you know grocery anchored retail. Um, industrial is still like you know unbelievably competitive, and you know we've been looking at some some properties and whatnot. Um, but you know the bidding uh, gets you down to you know, five five cap rates and things like that on, on buildings that were were a six before. So we just have to manage all that. And, you know, five cap rates okay because that means that you either expect increased cash flow or you have steps in your rents or things like that. But if you're paying a five cap rate for a flat flat rent building the the math doesn't work. So you um 
everything's getting thrown into the same bucket, so you have to kind of pick and choose the things that make sense for you. People talk a lot about cap rate compression, and some of that is still being in the industrial sector driven by the low interest rate environment, but there's also no doubt that it's being driven by sound economics as well on, on the underlying properties. So there's upward pressure, all these markets on, on lease rates, lease rates being realized in, in most of the markets, demand is exceeding supply, and uh, we and others, but we're, we're buying properties at significant discounts to appraised replacement values. So we, we see the upward pressure on rents in these, in these markets continuing, and that's certainly helping to justify uh, the purchase prices more than perhaps you saw two and three years ago where all of it was being driven solely by um, lower interest rates. Right. Understood. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Great comments. I'll uh, I'll step back in the queue. Thanks, Colin. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, there are no further questions at this time. This does conclude your conference call for today. We thank you for participating, and at this time, you can disconnect your lines. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Thanks very much. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.